It all sounds fine and dandy when we're on the phone, Lisa said. I'll make a plan with you to handle my emotions without food. And I think, yes, I got this. But then when I'm in the middle of a really terrible day at work, and I want to scream because I'm so sick of my job, I just go back to the same food habits. I think another day would be better to work on this, maybe next month or next year. But I have been saying that for so long, I don't know if I'm just BSing myself. What Lisa described is a classic trouble spot. She's stuck in the space where she has knowledge, but she's struggling to turn that knowledge into action. Many people end up in this chasm and just stay there forever, repeating the mantra of frustration. I know what to do, I'm just not doing it. Today, I'll share with you some of my best tips for bridging that gap between knowing and doing. Because obviously, it's the doing that makes your life better. You can't just read or listen your way into a different eating life. We have to cross that threshold into action. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. If you love the effective, research-based support we share on this show, listen up. There's a new way to get even more content. Breaking Up with Binge Eating now has a subscribers channel. I've added longer, more in-depth episodes only for subscribers. And this is the part I'm most excited about. We're going to share real-life recorded coaching sessions, so you can listen in on an entire session and hear how an expert walks someone just like you through their difficulties with binge eating and emotional eating recovery. Listeners in Apple Podcasts, you guys are in luck, because you can sign up already. Everybody else, don't worry, I'll have a sign-up link really soon. With that, let's get into today's topic. I know what to do but I just don't do it. This vexation is a classic in health psychology. When it comes to behavior change, educating people doesn't tend to cause widespread adoption of healthier habits. When anti-smoking legislation mandated prominent health warnings and graphic images about the dangers of smoking to be printed on cigarette packages, it was spectacularly ineffective at convincing anybody to quit. Similarly, when it comes to stopping emotional eating or binge eating, many people say they know what to do and they actually deep down want to do it. But for some reason, the opportunity to make a different choice keeps slipping by. If this sounds like you, I want you to know you're not broken. In fact, I'd say knowing but not doing is a normal stage that most people go through. When any person gains awareness of a potential solution, they might try it and change their actions immediately, but often there's a lag time and we experience the discomfort of knowing but not doing before we gather the courage and resources to make the change. Let's say you're listening to this podcast and you hear me one day talking about rest and de-escalating tension during the day so it doesn't spill over into an evening of overeating. And you realize taking a break during the workday is something you rarely do but it might help you with your stubborn nighttime eating trouble. You might start taking breaks that very day, but you might not. You might think about it and even think, hey, that's a good idea. But the resistance you have can keep those breaks in the category of 
good ideas and not actually have it appear on your agenda. If you have several things in that good idea category, but you aren't actually doing them on a daily basis, the following strategies can help you start putting them into action. When I brainstormed the content for this episode, I came up with a lot of points, and I want to share them all, so I've divided it into two episodes. I'll cover about half of them today, and half of them in part two. So, let's get the ball rolling, point number one. Sometimes we write off potential solutions because we tried them once upon a time, and it didn't work immediately, or simply we found it was difficult. I can fully appreciate that sometimes there's a thing I want to do, but I'm not doing it, because I tried it once, and that one negative experience has kept me from trying it again. When it comes to health and fitness behaviors, many of them are hardest right at the beginning. Remember that they get easier over time. Starting up an exercise program is a perfect example. Or you could think of bringing your lunch to work instead of eating takeout. If you judge this new behavior in the first few days that you do it, you probably haven't seen any benefits materialize yet. And you're assessing its difficulty during the week that it's the hardest it will ever be. If there's something you know you want to do, but you just aren't doing it because you tried it once and wrote it off, consider that maybe you're more mature or equipped now than you were before. We don't want to fall into the common practice of dismissing ideas because, yeah, yeah, I know, it didn't work for me, or I tried it and couldn't do it, or couldn't keep it up. Instead of writing off everything you've tried before in search of a solution that's completely novel, be open to giving something another try. Point number two on I know what to do, I'm just not doing it. Maybe you know, but do you understand? A lot of people tell me they know what to do, and by that, they mean they want to stop binge eating or emotional eating. They know that. It's crystal clear. But knowing that they want to stop something is not enough without a complete understanding of the problem. Try to understand as best you can why you respond with food in the way you do, and you'll be much further along toward actually letting it go. I've worked with hundreds of people on eating disorder recovery, and there's a definite factor that correlates with success. If someone can explain to me why they developed and maintained an eating disorder, I'd put money on their recovery. On the other hand, if somebody says, I have zero idea why I'm in this pattern. In that case, I feel like filling in that blank with them through our work together is an important predecessor to fully helping them leave it behind. Understanding why we do things is essential in changing our behavior. Point number three, plan. Set a time and specific intention for what you will do. If that's taking a break, look at your agenda. See where you can squeeze in a few minutes to walk or just relax between tasks. If you want to spend less time surfing the pantry after dinner, decide what room in the house you will go into and what you'll do when you get there. But don't let planning be an endless way to avoid doing. While some people don't plan at all, others overplan or, in the name of research, never get around to actually taking action. Once you've identified a time and a specific action, 
you don't have to plan a lot past that. Get on my bike at 8.30 and pedal for 10 minutes is a perfect plan. However, if you find yourself researching the neurological underpinnings of how exercise impacts sleep and how to determine your power-to-weight ratio, you've fallen into the research rabbit hole. Climb out of the hole and get on the bike. Point number four. Give yourself a reminder. I know this sounds so, so basic that you may have just rolled your eyes. Yeah, set an alarm, blah, blah, blah. But people forget things in real life. I forget things, I'm sure you do too. Setting an alarm only takes a few seconds, and it can make the difference between forgetting to practice and remembering it. You can't improve something you never practice, and if you always forget, you won't get much rehearsal in. A side note on numbers three and four, planning and setting up a reminder. You might notice you are not willing to set aside the time to set up the reminder, or to give it time in your agenda. If that's the case, it's worth looking into, because these are examples of resistance. Try to notice, does your resistance take the form of letting yourself forget something over and over, or not finding the time to do an activity? Not putting something in your calendar or not wanting to set a reminder on your phone may be functioning for you. In that sense, it gives you an excuse to continue not doing it. Moving from knowing into doing, we need to take away our own excuses, not enable them. So ask yourself, why don't I want to put this in my calendar? Why am I resistant to setting up a reminder? And see what you can find out. Understanding your resistance is the first step in pushing past it. Point number five, visualize yourself actually doing the action you want to practice. This is helpful in a couple ways. One, it's a reality check. If you can visualize yourself doing something, it's probably relatively realistic. However, if you try to visualize yourself doing the action and it seems implausible, you might want to rethink the plan. Second, mentally rehearsing the behavior you want to execute is in some ways similar to your brain as actually rehearsing it physically. If I visualize myself coming home from work and going straight to change my clothes, including the details like putting my keys on the hook, kicking off my shoes, the path I would walk through the kitchen and into the bedroom, when that situation actually happens, I've already rehearsed it in my mind. It's easier because it's not the first time. It's familiar. I'm just repeating something I've already practiced mentally. Point number six on turning I know what to do into I'm actually doing it. Anticipate the sabotaging thoughts that will show up. If I told you that tonight, midway through your dinner, a liar was going to walk through your front door, you could be expecting it. And then... Let's say you're sitting down, eating dinner with the fam, and somebody does walk through your door, and they say, hey, I just saw a herd of buffalo on your street. You'd be skeptical, because I told you to expect a fibber to come by. Well, I'm telling you, lies are highly likely to show up in your mental dialogue at the moments you need to make decisions on whether to stick to your plan or to binge eat or emotionally eat. If you tend to struggle after lunch with temptations to just keep on getting more food, expect the liar to show up right as you're finishing your lunch. 
And that liar will start telling you great reasons that you really should get more food and not go back to work right away. They'll tell you why it's okay to do it, why you actually need that extra food today, and so on. Knowing the excuses or justifications that your mind is most likely to offer up means you can equip yourself with comebacks. Point number seven. Notice if you have a fixed mindset and trade it for a growth mindset. A fixed mindset is a perspective that our abilities and intelligence are inborn and that they don't change over time. A growth mindset, on the other hand, is the perspective that our intelligence and capabilities can be developed. With a fixed mindset, people tend to avoid challenges and failure at all costs. And that's so they can salvage their feelings of being smart enough or good enough. Everything feels like a test to someone with a fixed mindset. And that test is to prove yourself or be revealed as a failure. If we aren't good at something, we feel terrible and we want to avoid it. As you can imagine, this tendency doesn't lead to improving our skills or working very hard. Because when something feels difficult, it must mean we aren't smart or talented enough. With a growth mindset, however, challenges are welcomed. If we aren't good at something, we realize we can practice it and improve. Having a growth mindset naturally leads to working harder, which means we improve our abilities over time and in the long run have more success. I can speak confidently to the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset because I have a lot of experience with a fixed mindset. As a kid, I was lucky enough to be naturally talented in some ways, but the things that I didn't excel at, I avoided. I'd make an excuse like, I'm just uncoordinated when I was bad at ball sports. Or I'd claim, I'm just bad at math, okay, when it was the lowest grade on my report card. I just can't read music was my excuse for hating playing the flute in fourth grade. Since I couldn't already read music on the first day and trying to figure it out felt intensely frustrating, I quit trying. I remember holding the flute up to my face and faking playing it when our section would play in band class. I didn't get good at any of the things like ball sports or playing the flute because they required practice and patience. Not having a growth mindset, I wanted nothing to do with things I wasn't good at. I now recognize that I was avoiding effort and difficulty to cling to my sense of being smart enough or good enough and I expected that shame and ridicule would be my penalty for any slip-ups. Here's why I bring this up. Recovering from binge eating or emotional eating means we have to face the fact that there's some things we aren't good at yet, and that to build these skills, we're going to have to practice. Practicing something is different from a performance, and when it comes to food, I love that it's always just practice. You can screw it up. Nobody's judging you or testing you. Each time you practice a skill to help with your recovery, try to remember you aren't doing this to prove yourself to anyone. You're doing it to help stimulate change in yourself, making you more capable over time. Repeat after me. This is just practice. It's okay if I'm not great at this yet. Because I'm practicing, I'll get better. I've discovered that I'm pretty bad at a lot of things since then, but I've also discovered that if I'm willing to show up again and again and keep my foot on the gas pedal of effort, miracle of miracles, I get better at things. 
To recap the key points in this episode, when you know what to do, but are struggling to do it. First, don't write off everything you've already heard or tried in the past. You might need to take a fresh crack at it. Second, try to understand the problem of binge eating or emotional eating as best you can. Knowing why you do what you do is helpful in replacing disordered eating in your life. Third, set a time and a specific intention for what you'll practice. Be willing to give yourself a reminder. Visualize yourself doing the behavior you want to cement. Do dress rehearsals in your mind. Anticipate the sabotaging thoughts that will show up at key moments in your day. And lastly, notice if you have a fixed mindset and try to trade it for a growth mindset. If you like what you heard today, please rate or review the show so more people can find it. I'm Georgie Fear, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.